Gaming and BS episode 296 coming to you Monday, June 1st, 2020. Welcome to Gaming and BS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back. Glad y'all made it. Sean, how the hell are you, man? Doing okay, Brett. I, uh, Brett is coming to us live from the northern woods of, like, yes. well, of Michigan, I guess. Not really Wisconsin. <clears throat> yeah, up in the uh, up in the family's place in the UP, so. Uh, we oddly enough, I have high speed DSL here, so it works. I've done this, we've done this before a couple times, I think, in the past. I've recorded up here. Got a little jittery in the so far in the so audio good. just for a bit, but hopefully that'll not. God damn it, hopefully right. that's not a big deal. All right. Well, if I have to, we'll turn off video or My something. My understanding, so. which I did not bring up beforehand, is I had heard that if you are the host of like Zoom and Skype and blah blah blah, it's better. But Brad is hosting the Zoom for um, convenience reasons. So hopefully, if that, it may be where we just flip it around again. But. I I don't know. Okay. If, yeah, well, I don't know we'll how true on. that is. But yeah, it's uh I won I won uh, I got to say this I I uh, beat my my youngest son Oh, well, hey. That so. uh, Yeah. Congratulations, man. He just he just popped up over the couch and glared at me. <laughs> yeah. <I> won. <laughs> he kicked my ass last time, so it's <laughs> I Still haven't played that game. Oh, really, played. dude? The version I have is my favorite. So, I'll crack it out one of these times when uh, next time Papa Swick or somebody comes in town, and I've got the four corners so I can expand it out, full expansions for it too. So, you get enough people playing it with the all the expansions, it could uh, it could take a day. But yeah. uh, if it's only two people playing with the base game, AJ and I actually bust through pretty fast. It's fun. Most excellent. Get a gaming in, man. I did actually last week. I yeah, yeah I um played in Hobbs uh, old school Uh, so low fantasy Uh. gaming game that we had set up to play on Saturday could not happen because Hobbs got pulled into work yeah so he couldn't couldn't run it Uh, Sunday he's running an old school essentials game um, with Hawk I don't know if you remember Hawk he's been to GaryCon once I do I do and Bird Mm -hmm. uh, and then one other individual Aaron so we're running in a homebrew BX game on Sundays like 8 to noon so yeah Yeah, fun so that'll be fun I'm playing a thief called Rascal this is nice my um my rogue wraith uh, in Undermountain got killed. Oh, yeah! I uh, three death save fail, and I, I made a uh, what I thought was a solid tactical move to charge into the other room, pin down the priestess of Loth, keep her busy so the rest of the party could come up. Little did I realize the priestess of Loth had uh, like four giant spiders with her and an invisible mage, and they proceeded to beat the ever living crap out of poor wraith, and uh, he went down and died. We lost. Half the party in that fight. Pretty bad. So Nick and I got to make new characters. Starting at what level? Oh, speak. <clears throat> seven. Oh, and he, so you're going to start at seven? We'll come back. Yeah, he's going he's, he's gonna to let us come back in at seventh where our other characters died. So that's kind of nice of Alpha. 
And speaking of dead PCs, AJ and Alana's characters in my trailer Cthulhu game finally kind of sort of figured out that the house they were in was stuck in the bizarre time warp thing. And the uh, a gentleman who they thought was either a family member or a dear family friend turned out to be an ancient sorcerer um, slash priest of Sathagua from Hyboria. And uh, once they started to put it all together and uh, accidentally teleported themselves into the Borealis, Age's character shot himself, and then Alana was eaten by Sathagua when it showed up. Of course. They both turned to me and they both turned to me and said, That was awesome. <laughs> 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 they want they want more Cthulhu. So that's, that's next. Good. Money. Yeah. That was very good. That was very good. It was really good. They uh Alana had never played uh Cthulhu game before where investigation was big, trying to piece things together and so forth. So that was trail. And um I said, Would you like to try? regular Call of Cthulhu, and she said, yeah, I'd like to see how the other system works. So I happen to have the quick start rules for the new edition, so I'm going to pull those out, and we'll go through that. Probably the prepackaged adventure in there, too, I'll use as a starting point, just because, you know, what the hell, why not? So, um, let's see, other than that, not too much. If I get back from the cabin trip in time, my hope is that I can, um, to do that I can get my uh, my Avalon game going back but we'll see what happens I might have to push it out one more week just if I don't get over it home in time sounds like a plan yeah alright man let's uh, let's talk about something fun here what do we got uh, what do you got here announcement wise Sean's RPG YouTube channel are you going no. solo you dumping so me so I created man? a YouTube channel and then I put up a video and then the mm-hmm. channel was brought down (laughs) i have no idea so i'm like well that's strange what the hell so i deleted that channel and then i created another one and i uploaded a video and somebody commented uh it's probably a spammer or spam bot whatever and it got brought down so i'm like well what am i doing wrong and it says like hey the reasons this might happen are this and so i'm like what what am I doing wrong? Is it the title of the channel? Am I not supposed to use how to? I don't like. I don't know what the problem is. Yeah, the the fuck. Yeah, so I I am waiting. So I appealed to YouTube to say, hey, reenact this channel or tell me what Why the don't hell you the just problem put it under, is. Dude, put it under gaming BS and just have a different series. Well, of I them. could, I could do that and make it like its own. But yeah, it that's like an option. I mean, cool. So there's I'm just the way you does it where he he'll have anyway get different playlists, going. yeah, yeah. I was gonna say you want to fucking just build playlists, man. That way you can use the gaming BS brand as powerful as that is. You could get two, maybe three viewers yeah, that way. Maybe we'll we'll see. It, so the whole premise of it, once it gets launched, everybody's gonna know because I want everybody to go there. But it's essentially like I think I yes. mentioned this last time is mm-hmm. it started out with I'm just gonna make a create a character. Okay, and I did that. I did low fantasy gaming, created a fighter character. This is how you do it. And then I thought to myself, it's got, I got to go into more detail because there's parts of building the character that people need to know about the rules. I think I mentioned this before as well. So if you have a yes, luck yep, mechanic, yeah, we about that. Yeah, if you have a luck mechanic, you got to know how luck works in the game. So it's not going to be a review, or at least understand. Yeah, at least understand why you'd put. If you had a chance to put eighteen in luck or eighteen in dex, why you would be actually 
you know, that's a conundrum. How, how, what do you do and why? Makes sense. Yeah. So totally that's sense. what I'm going to attempt to do. So it's not a review. And then also another epiphany. We played Stars Without Numbers since I since we last met. So I did not play this past weekend, but third last Tuesday, I played Stars okay. Without Number, and we had Starship Combat. And the way that works is another thing. Like, oh, okay, so I'll take Stars Without Number and just go over how combat works, or Starship Combat. Oh, okay. And explain cool. that, and done. Like that's one video. So. Hopefully they're shorter than 30 minutes. That would be the goal, but it would be to explain. So if somebody wanted to look up like, you know, Stars Without Number, Starship Combat, I'm just going to watch a video on that this weekend before I run this particular game. Hopefully somebody will just pull it up and watch it and learn. Because I know some people hate to read and absorb stuff that way. Or they're, they just prefer to watch it in action or have it explained to them. I think that's a lot of RPG. Like, I didn't. We talked read about the that. PHP we talked and, about yeah. innovation. Yeah, innovation delivery and stuff, right? I mean, if you tried to read, which I have, the first edition AD and D PHB or DMG cover to cover, it's not the most intuitive thing to read. And if there's a way to cut through some of the fluff, right? Because we've said this many times, other people have as well. RPG manuals are a number of different things. They are books and so far as like story they try to get you hooked into a thing sometimes you got setting material sometimes wedged in there you've got <clears throat> character concepts rules um uh plot how, how do you build a plot line my christ it's an instruction manual it's an art piece it's oh my god there's so much stuff wrapped into it yeah <clears throat> cool i like the idea man i think you should do it and i'll tell you i'm dead serious man if you can't just fucking put a playlist on the give me a bs banner do it yeah, well, it's getting banned for some reason. I also don't want our main YouTube channel to get banned for some reason. That's got like a lot of videos up there, and uh, yeah, yeah, that would be well. Weird. There's huh. a dynamic with YouTube audio video that is. There's somebody no, that's no, using no, no, copyrighted no. material. There's or something a, stupid. if you do audio only and you put it up on YouTube. Supposedly, it brings down your channel and doesn't recirculate. It doesn't. So, if you go on YouTube and it's like you watch a video, it automatically comes up with like 20 different recommended other videos that are similar. Yeah. 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 When you do mm -hmm. audio only, your <clears throat> ranking for doing that is supposedly lower than if you did actual. Oh, you get a thumbs down because you're not fully feature yes, rich. It is. Ex so, that's my understanding. So, I have heard through the grapevine that if you do have an audio only channel where it's just audio and a, like an album cover and you have yeah. an interactive video actual video that you should separate them they could be on the same they could be on the same youtube account but different channels so i'm tr huh. we'll see anyways that's what i'm trying to do stay tuned for more cool yeah. all right man I think um, nothing new. We all know what cons are canceled and how things are happening. So We have a couple cons in the die roll. Yeah, I was going to say uh, Gamehole Con started talking. I think I saw something around their newest or the latest edition of how they're going to do things virtually or whatever. I saw a so. newsletter come through, but I didn't know if it had any. I think it listed uh, three dates. Yeah. Okay. It listed 2021, 22, 23 dates, which are all in October. And then I, 
I don't know what else it was, was in there. All right. Well, let's All move right. on. Let's go to random, random encounter. encounter. Let's do this thing. Random encounter is a segment of the show where we field voicemails, emails, comments for social media. We've got two voicemails and a few emails and a few comments for the forums this week. So we'll start out first with Mr. Chris Shorb. Uh, here we go. Hey, Sean and Brett. It's Chris Shorb. Uh, the, because the conversation about skills just never seems to end, I've got another thing to add to this. And that is something that I just thought of listening to your podcast. Passive stealth. We've got passive perception, passive. Uh, some games use passive investigation. You know, players, characters, are going to be in a dungeon, and they're going to be, they're going to be, as stealthy as they possibly can be. So I was thinking, why not add something like passive stealth? And if you're wearing that armor that gives you disadvantage on your stealth checks, you know, you make that you make that uh, minus five. If for some reason you have advantage on your stealth checks, you're getting plus five. Uh, I was thinking there must be a way to have passive stealth. So you don't have to go, oh, now you guys should roll yourself. Um, I don't know. Just something to think about. Uh, and, uh, yeah, have a good one, guys. Happy Memorial Day. That is interesting. Not a bad concept. Yeah, especially if you... Hmm. I like it because especially if somebody says, hey, I'm going to be doing X, then you give them the boost to get the actual roll. Otherwise, they're passive. I think the passive needs to be worse than oh, yeah, average or something. Be terrible, right? it, has, it can't be It can't be like a 17 on a 20. It can't be a... It's got to be like 11, 12, somewhere in the, like, just barely breaking double digits as a max. But you could get somebody who's like that, the ninja, right, who's just super fucking stealthy. You know, she wakes up, falls down the, uh, falls down the stairs carrying a, a bucket full of bells, and still no one hears her because right. she's a goddamn ninja. So, huh, I like it. I think that could be could be interesting. Nice. I like the thought. I don't know what it would take to do it. But you have to play test it as far as like, hey, muck around with it. Might be something cool to put into a home game and see if it works for you and your crew. I like the idea. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, Good stuff. Thanks, Chris. What else we got? Uh DM Kojo's Kojo. next. We have voicemail. Kojo. Yeah, we do there have voicemail. Hey guys, DM Kojo. Just wanted to call in. Um your most recent episode, there was a email from Phil and he was asking questions about uh tips for his daughter um, and you guys have helped me out in this regard as well in previous episodes my uh, I just wanted to call in and kind of add in to his question of um, you know my son has in this age of quarantine been trying to do online gaming uh, like many of us and uh, he's struggling even more than when he was trying to run tabletop uh, live in person and uh, I think it's things that a lot of us run into with online gaming, uh, concerns over technology and, and uh, distraction is even worse, it seems, especially considering we're talking about middle school boys here, and they're fairly distractible to begin with. Um, so he is actually almost, I think, ready to wash his hands of online gaming and just be done with, done with it, but he's also in general frustrated with his friends because he's like, you know, t- talking to me and saying, you know, they've got no attention span. They're they're on, you know, playing video games on another screen. 
they're you know just not with it and they're not engaging in the game um so any tips you have in that regard whether it be for kids or, or not just with the online gaming to try to keep people focused are appreciated because i've certainly had frustrations with this as well so uh always look forward to your advice thanks guys Uh, so, Brett, having a young couple of young folks in your family, uh, anything to add to that? Well, one of the things I can tell you is that my my daughter, Lana, said before, I don't want to play with so-and-so anymore. Isn't she your friend? Yeah, but she doesn't focus. She doesn't take it serious. And my daughter's lucky because she's got AJ and me, other people she can play with that do take it serious and are focused and whatnot. And... It can be really hard when these are your friends, right? These are your good friends. If you're in person, everything's fine. But, uh, huh. I, I guess this is this is harsh, man. But I, I part of me for, for your son's sake, Kojo, is like, you know, he's got to find somebody else to play with. And the difficult part is when you've got basically underage kids online looking for games. It can be sketchy, right? You want to protect your children and you want to make sure that they're doing the right thing and whatnot. This might be the opportunity where they get to, Kojo, if you've got a couple good guys, gals, the crew that you like playing with, and some of those folks can come out and play with your son. And he could run for a group of adults. You know, anybody who's going to actually focus on the game. I'll tell you, there's it's so difficult when somebody's not paying attention. Even in person, they go, if they're my friends, I know these people. I'm like, Dave, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, I'm sorry, I was checking my email. Good, dude, really? We're in the middle of a fight. Yeah, I know, but I'm expecting something, blah, blah, blah. All right, man, just get back to the game. That's easier than if I'm online and I start snapping at somebody or, <clears throat> you know, or it's my turn and Curtis is like, Brett, hello, Brett. Oh, shit, sorry. Were you checking email? Uh, it, yes. <laughs> Curtis would have every right to be cranky with me. But it, it's it's tough to call to call people out and police people's behavior and attention span and it is super difficult sometimes to find people who are really in it i think it might be with all the online gaming conventions that might be the opportunity kojo for your son to run some games online you know game con shit gen con origins any of those conventions that are online i can you you, <laughs> you may run into some a-holes who are going to be distracted and I've run games at conventions with players who come up and are distracted even when they're in person. But that might be the opportunity to run a couple short uh, campaigns, get you know, get a group of people who, you know, the percentages, they should be more invested. At least that's my initial take. But, man, it's, it's tough. Sean, what are you thinking? Yeah, man, it's hard with teenage. I can only imagine, okay, because I don't have kids. But I know when I was a teenager, I grew up in a pretty small rural town village actually mm -hmm. and that was the world right like i didn't have people that i knew outside of town i it was all the i mean my class that i went to school with had like 26 people in it like my class you'd have talked about you'd yeah. have talked about this before right when you when you discovered when you and your friends discovered monty python or you and your friends started playing this new yeah. game you did not know anybody else who no. knew that I mean, there. As far as I knew, yeah. at one point, there was like twenty of us, and we were the only people in the world who knew what Monty Python really was. We dreamed that maybe there were other folks out there who understood yeah. this. 
we heard tell of these gaming conventions, but we didn't have any money to go to them. Yeah. No, so the was world was quite a bit smaller, and therefore my perception was, I if I don't play with these guys, I can't play with it. Like, there's nobody else to play with. Now, having said that, there, I mean, I've gone, I went on to bigger schools, and I realized that the world's much bigger, and I could fit in with a lot of different types of people. Um, but that would be the the big thing, like. Man, I can't give this this young man any advice because he may just say like I I gotta play with people I know because that's what I'm comfortable with and getting him out of that comfort zone. It's hard to alienate. It's yeah. hard to alienate your friends. It's hard to alienate your friends. Yeah. And sometimes you, it's hard to not only alienate your friends. It's hard. There are some times where you feel comfortable with your your friends, right? Like it's I don't want to say a click, but there's some type of camaraderie with that. And you hang around with them for a particular reason. <laughs> the only problem is you have freedom to make, yeah, you've got freedom to make mistakes with your friends, sure. right? You fuck something up, you're like, oh, dude, Sean, really? Yeah, that's a D four. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know it's a D six or short sword. I'm an idiot. Okay, sure, sure, dagger, Sean. Yeah. You know, whatever. It's stupid jokes we say because we're friends. We know each other. But you yeah. know, going to another group or enlisting people that you don't know, and I, what I was gonna say is that. The ability, again, I'm not a parent, I'm not a teacher, I'm not a guidance counselor, I'm not a child psychologist, but some of those things may just come with age, being able to, I mean, that's, that in general, I think we, as everybody does, I mean, they go off to college and experience a whole new world, like, holy cow, it's just different, and it's, you open, your mind yeah. opens to different things, trying different food, meeting different people, you know, taking interest in different things that maybe you didn't have the opportunity to do when you were in high school or under your parents' kind of household and umbrella. So having Brett say, well, you know, maybe find somebody else. Yeah, that might, that's probably a, a way to do it. But, you know, we're not talking another guy like Brett and I or you, Kojo. So we're talking with a, you know, 13 or 12 year old, 14 year old, which is. T- a lot different, the, right? The other thing that I'm I'm thinking about when it comes to kids too is like, is he trying to run? If Kojo were here, I'd ask him this, right? So Kojo, I'm asking you, man, is is your son trying to run a four hour game online? Because I'll tell you right now, that's a long damn time to sit in yeah. front of a computer. If he might, that's be a long time for me to sit at a computer. To, <laughs> right? If I've got an eight to ten hour workday, even I'm working at home, I get up and walk around because I'm like sitting there that long. But it may be such a thing where the games he's running are too long insofar as the attention span wanes. Maybe it, it's easier in person because you have a chance and you don't even notice the diversions and the goofy jokes or the things you do or that somebody has to get up and go to the bathroom. The game devolves for a half hour. No one even cares. When you're online, though, it's pretty. It's a very focused thing because you're staring at the screen, right? So it might be such a thing as don't run four hours, run two Run two rooms in the dungeon and then be done. Run three rooms in the dungeon and be done. Run um, one-shot adventures, something simple and small. So, as I said, it, it's easier said than done. Which, is, again, I think that's what you're saying too, Sean. It's easier said than done to just say, hey, go find new new, new friends. Go find some new friends, kid. Um, that's tough. Go find new gamers. Just find a bunch of old guys. They'll game with you. That's eh, not easy either. It might be that if the attention span doesn't last, you can tailor the game down. And... You may find, you tell your friends you can play for two hours, 
And when they get in the heat, they're like, oh, can we do one more room? Sure you can. Sure you can. Because you got stuff going. You're Kojo's kid. That means you've got dungeons coming out all out of your pockets, man. So you could do that. You can come in there, say it's for two hours, but have enough stuff just in case they go past that second dungeon, that, that second room. They want to go talk to somebody else. They want to do a little bit extra that night because they're really into it. You got it. You got it planned. You can you can you pull out the next bit. You can do that. You know. So that might be a key. Yeah. I don't know. There's nothing wrong with running one on one now. There's a lot of one on one games. There's Cthulhu Confidential. Totally. There's the the sidekick rules and the new, you know, uh, essentials box of D and D. So you can run one on one. So if he's got one buddy, Matt Colville. Matt Colville did a thing on Five E one on one. So, so, so if he's got one done. buddy out of four, that's not a complete knucklehead. Hey, he's he might potentially have a, a game. So I don't know. Yeah, let us know how it turns out, Kojo. Be interested to know. Thanks for yeah, it's, it's, asking. If anybody else has other yeah, if anybody else has other ideas or, or concepts too, because the other thing, Kojo, is please tell your son this is not just because you're a no. kid. There, there are grown <laughs> women. There are grown folks out there. You look at them like, why can't they pay attention? What is wrong with yeah. this person? My God, how how do they how do they walk and chew gum? Wait, no, they can't. Look at that. It. <laughs> This is this is an every gamer problem. I, point I was watching offer, Gamers so. Table, which you have been on, Brett. Gamers Table, right? The Twitch yes, channel. Yep. I have indeed. And Chris mm-hmm. Hussman. Uh, you've actually met Chris. Yep. Right? So Chris was on there the other night. Yes. I was watching him and a couple others. I had the sound pretty, pretty low, but I could read the chat and how it was going. But it was something along the lines of, you know, somebody posed <clears> the question <throat> in the chat that sets up like something like, hey, I've got these players, and they, they always want to... Once the big bad evil guy is kind of divulged, they only want to go after that big bad evil guy. Like, that's all they do. They sh- plot, goes to shit, got to go get the bad evil guy, that's it. And so uh, my response was kind of like, you got to, and of course, that's not the game this game master wants to play, right? So I'm like, you got to nip that stuff in the bud right up front. And people are like, nip that stuff in the bud. That's kind of like danger zone, whatever. And right, I think they took me out of context. Essentially, what I was saying is, if you are running a game and the players want to play a game and you both aren't on the same page, that's a problem. And it's not going to go away. And if you don't talk about it, that's a problem. And I sincerely believe that uh, like 85% of role-playing games and specifically like longer-term groups is really about chemistry. It absolutely is, dude. I've, got, I've had people come and go. The core of my almost 30-year group is... I've talked about this many times. We have really good chemistry as a crew. We're friends outside of work. We've been to weddings. Um, we've been to funerals for when our parents die. I might, mine are still alive, but we just recently, uh, one of our friends just lost a father. But anyway, it, there's there's a lot of time and energy put into that. It takes a long time to get there. It takes a long time to get there. And uh, yeah, you're right. It, uh, it's um, That communication is important. And this is hard for young kids, teenage boys, whatever, to look his friends in the eye and say, hey, um, I don't like the way you play. Or, hey, I'm really trying to, can we stay focused, please? I really, I, w- I wish you guys would stay more focused. I wish we could be a little more coordinated as a group. Uh, could you please stop playing other video games? Are you that bored with what I'm doing? You know, or whatever variation on those words can be very difficult to confront anybody with or to bring it up. I, I know vice presidents of companies and C-level executives who don't like conflict. Oh, right? conflict adverse people so, drive me nuts. 
But this is the type of thing you run into because he's your friends. How do you have conflict with your friends sometimes? So I think finding friends is easier said than done. Shorten the event might be a good start just to really gauge how long people can tolerate whatever it is you're trying to do. Tolerate's a strong word, but anyway, Kojo, I don't know, man, if that helps or not, or even if what we said gives you a better idea, like, hey, I like that because it made me think of something better. You guys are idiots. That's totally fine, too. Let us know what you come up with. And if anybody else has ideas, throw them out there. We'll be happy to share. Yeah, throw them out there. Next. All right, Harrigan's turn. You, read. All right. Harrigan emails about weapon damage and tension, a.k.a. applying pressures to PCs. Brett and Sean, been a minute, short one, two topics. Dose. First, weapon damage. Quite a few OSR games do cool things with weapons and weapon damage these days. Group them into light, D4, medium, D6, and heavy, D8 kind of thing. But then allow either classes or abilities to mess with them. Warriors step all weapons up a die from D8 to D10, for example. Or thieves do D8 damage Hmm. with light weapons like daggers, that sort of thing. Simple, but still provides options and a little crunch. Harrigan, where did you make that up or did you get that from something? I I, I want to believe that's out of a a game. Might have ganked. Yeah. He might have ganked it. If you ganked that. If you did, let me know where, because I love that idea, dude. For an OSR yep. game, I love that idea. Uh, second, tension and some mechanics that can build it. You guys mentioned a couple of these ideas in the last two episodes, but didn't go into a lot of detail. In my experience, they can really work to build tension. Use clocks and progress bars, counters that have been around for ages, but popularized and streamlined in games like Dungeon World and Blades in the Dark. It can be great fun to have competing clocks or progress trackers. Will you run out of oxygen before the hyperdrive is repaired type stuff? Ticking these trackers is fun when time goes by or the PCs are making critical misses and the like. And keeping them visible can significantly add to the tension at the table. Liberally use the Die of Fate. It's had various names across various games, but never be afraid to just throw a single D6 even if no skill or attribute role is called for. Comes up low, complicate the scene, remove supplies, advance a clock, add tension. Probably my favorite angle here. Use a system that supports either partial successes or pushing your luck mechanics. Partial successes are a key element to building tension in PBTA games, powered by the Apocalypse games, but that same method is easily ported to other systems. In my own Black Hack games, which are roll under stat, If you tie your attribute, you have succeeded at a cost. You did it, but guess what? And then there's the idea of a push roll, as we see with something like 7th edition called Cthulhu. Plug those worst failures right into making the whole scene start to come come apart and not, uh, not just a dropped weapon or stumble and fall. One of my favorite takes on failing a roll lately is to say, hey, Actually, you succeeded, but wish you hadn't. Here's why. <laughs> Generally, have a little Love little that. list of things that can go wrong written down or in your head and nail the PCs with those things when they crit fail, when they push and fail, when they die of fate frowns upon them, etc. If those things are wide, wired closely into the character's own backgrounds and foibles, awesome. 
Wired into the scenario? Sweet. Make their favorite NPCs and institutions suffer. Dog them with old injuries and old foes and new twists. Anyway, just thought I'd put two cents in. I'm all about tension in most of my games, forcing decisions, ideally ones that are not easy. Ones that mean succeeding here results in failure or complication there. You know, like real life. Stay safe, lads. Harrigan. That's oh, good stuff. That's good stuff, have, Harrigan. Um, very good. I um, What was it? It was John Arcadian used uh was, i played it in his terrace game twice at um queen city conquest and when it came down to like the single d6 he had a fate die the pluses the minuses and the, and the blank spaces you just roll it a blank was you know essentially either nothing happened or it was very mundane the minus and the pluses and so on so one way that he just used that die in the game that didn't actually call for the fate die but it worked pretty well harrigan's Her- Her- actually Harrigan. <laughs> he's at the chat chat room chat Twitch chat right now. And he said that look at yeah. uh, the black hack and sharp <clears throat> swords and sinister spells for those weapons weapon rules. Okay, I have is it the new black hack or the old black hack? Is there a second edition for that? Fuck, I don't know. I have the I have the original. Anyway, all right. So sharp swords, sinister spells, and black hack. Got, got that. I all got right. it. All right. Let's see what we got here. We got a comment on the forum from Mike and applying pressure. <coughs> Excuse me. Good grief. From a player side, I prefer to have the action be continuous, not just batter after battle after battle, but like the puzzles or the scenarios that make us have to think. It makes the game more in the moment playing and adds a lot of fun. I'm with Sean. I do not think I am into the real big Mega Dungeon 7 Years campaign. 48 sessions make it a nonstop thriller. From the GM side, I like to do the same thing. As always, enjoy the episode, Mike. I think that's in, I think hearing Mike, when you say from the player side, we've talked about this a little bit before. And as a player, it's worth introspection as much as we talk about game mastering advice, introspection. What do you like? Blah, blah, blah. As players, think about what you like. Do you like that? Is that fun for you? Um, some people are like, no, I just like a dungeon slog. I want to kill stuff, monsters and take their shit. That's my, ga- that's my jam. That's my thing. Totally fine. But be aware. <laughs> that's what you like or why, you know, and so on. We need but a match.com cool. like for role-playing games, Brett. We do. We match. do. We com. need a match.com for gamers. Match.com for gamers, man. Just sign up, pay a little small fee, and get matched with your favorite players and game masters. <laughs> that could be interesting. <laughs> Good way to get sued. <laughs> Over to you, All Sean. right. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Gabe Dibing comments on the forums about applying pressure to PCs, and now about the episode itself. I'm beginning to think, because he commented earlier on something else, I'm beginning mm-hmm. to think that the D- 2D20 system might <clears throat> synthesize the majority of RPG innovations and styles currently out there in the RPG jungle. In Conan, the GM has a meta resource called Doom. I like it. I like I like it already. <laughs> I don't, it, well, it's called Doom. <laughs> How bad could it be? I mean, it's obviously good. Right. It's called Doom. It means it's good. That's right. Carry on. The GM uses this doom, doom, to raise the tension and generally make things difficult for the PCs. I know what Brett is thinking, and he's not wrong. You can raise the tension in any game without a meta currency. Ah, he's calling you out, Brett. No, he's just he's, he's right. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm thinking. However, carry on. Some carry on. even may call this overall best GM practice. But doom, 
in Conan is in a dynamic relationship with the players. <clears throat> Instead of using the PC resources of Momentum and Fortune, or when they no longer are available to them, players can pay the Game Master Doom for an immediate, though temporary, benefit, knowing full well that this assistance now is going to raise itself as a complication to uh, a complication or obstacle later. It's gorgeous. Another reason why Doom is awesome is because it's part of the game. Its use in D&D might appear arbitrary, petty, or adversarial in a bad way. Here it's used to emulate the crisis, twists, and setbacks of Pulp Fiction. Listening to part two... So, hey, uh, before he goes on, I want to say that... I'm just going to jump back. I think Gabe is dead right. Yes, you can. And I would say, oh, you could do that anywhere. However, we all had to learn how to do that stuff. Either through practice, as we've talked about before, or other game systems, piecing it together here, there, and everywhere. If you find a really good game system that has a mechanic that helps you do the thing you want to do, why not use that thing, right? That means that's a really good game. It, it's natural. It feels good. Gabe's telling me here, or us here, that it, it rolls really well for him. That's fucking awesome. That's really cool. I love this idea. I, I have been meaning to look at the 2D20 Conan system, because I like Conan, so I'm going to have to dig it up. All right, carry on. Here's some more love for Conan 2D20. Conan recommends dealing with analysis paralysis by paying yourself, the Game Master, one point of doom incrementally as the players deliberate. Ha <laughs> ha! Oh, man. One more point of doom. <laughs> one more point of doom. Oh, this next line, read it. Read one it, time read I it. had to say, okay, guys, I'm about to give myself a doom. They resolve their conversation immediately. <laughs> Now, some people don't like, and this is the thing where if you start listening to us from six years ago, my I'm like, why, why, why do we have to have a mechanic? And I, I get it better now, you know, talking out, meeting more people and whatever through this, through this format. <laughs> some people would go, that's really fucking meta. Give yourself a deal. Oh my God, blah, blah, blah. Why do you have to, why do you have to break the whatever immersion, whatever it is you're thinking about? That's a great way to get people motivated though, because they, they know what that does. Hey. The game has this in it. You keep fucking about. I gonna, I'm gonna give myself some doom. Y'all want that? No. We'll open the door. <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's like the uh, that's <laughs> that's the under siege thing. Somebody's screwing around. You shoot that guy and the guy next to him. <laughs> next thing you know, everybody behaves. I'm gonna give that's myself right. some doom. Okay then. I guess uh, I guess we'll pay attention. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right, uh, Patrick and George, email us about applying pressure to PCs. Sean and Brett. Oh, Gabe, by the way, that was good shit, man. Thank you very much. Back to George. Sean and Brett, hey, just finished listening to both pressure episodes. I listened to the second one while running a 5K this morning. I had my best time in ages. Yeah, crap, see how, may, how angry we can get people? <laughs> just drive them to, like, exert energy? I can't run 5K. That's pretty good. Oh, yeah, I could, but I don't do all that. So anyway, so this episode was either really good and propelled me forward or really sucky and had to get the whole thing over with ASAP. I'll let you decide. <laughs> oh, who am I kidding? It's the first one. Great episode. For me, there are two things that create tension or pressure. And he mentioned or alluded to both. One pressurizer is allowing the players to get into situations with no easy solution. This is confinement, of course, just in other words. For example, my players were captured by a dragon. Instead of devouring them, he granted freedom, quote unquote, if and only if. They would do his bidding outside of his lair. <laughs> this would allow the dragon to exert his will while remaining hidden. Already the players were pushed towards death or dirty deeds, done dirt cheap, uh, neither one being what they would have wanted. 
But the situation became more complex as the player's traditional patron asked them to report on the sources of disturbances in the area. The players had to lie to their patron, a good-hearted noble, or break the promise they made to the dragon, who will surely hunt them down and end their lives or die trying. This particular system has rules for accumulating shadow when players commit misdeeds, so there were mechanical effects and story-based consequences in all directions. No great options equal tension, which leads to creativity. That's a very good line right there, folks. No great options equals tension, which leads to creativity. George. Very good stuff. Stealing that, George. Yeah, that's all. That's fucking spitting diamonds there. He also brought up tension-building mechanics. I really like Brett's point about keeping those mechanics running smoothly in the background. For me, the best mechanics that in creating the right kind of pressure are the expendable or shrinking resources, primarily those the players can choose to use at a cost. I think a luck mechanic in LFG, as you pointed out, or hope in the one ring, even sanity in Call of Cthulhu can be choice-based pressurizer. If I read this tome, I may learn more, but I'm also going to go a step or two more insane. Use the resource or and have it diminish or carry on without its benefit. That mental confinement is great and leaves most or all control in the player's hands. You know all this, of course. I just enjoyed listening and typing it, though. Stay safe and game on, George. George did a better job talking... Uh, I putting better boundaries around my concept of confinement. I said that. I was trying to expand it. Thank you, George. You did a hell of a lot better job about it than I did. So I hope whoever listened to last episodes when I was trying to stumble, fumble my way through it, this is a hell of a lot better. Thank you, man. I will go back and edit the last episode and put George's <laughs> Just email verbatim in there. in there and remove everything of Brett's <laughs> Please, <set>. please, <laughs> please read smarter person's comments here. Uh, Michael comments on applying pressure but addressing skill piling. So a warning about 4th edition skill challenges. We haven't heard from Michael for a while. Michael Phillips. Uh, So it took three renditions before there was a good explanation of how to run them. Running them out of the original DMG not only is the math bad, but they weren't well explained. The way they were originally presented, every test in the skill challenge had one thing that you could do to overcome it, and you had to overcome a specific number of tests, regardless of what the narrative would suggest you need to do. In the Essentials book, which was the third version of skill challenges they published, they finally included suggestions for including options to mitigate failures, include non-rolls as part of the success option. The players come up with a clever answer to a section of a skill challenge that isn't an ability check. Go ahead and count it as a success. And perhaps most importantly, instructions to end the skill challenge if the narrative gets to a point where the player should be done, even if they haven't gotten to the success count that the difficulty calls for. To be fair, all of this advice was published on the Wizards website in the first couple of months of the game's existence, but almost no one read it. Also, still challenges are sort of a combination of the late third edition complicated skill checks and the general action determination system from Mouse Guard. Huh. Man, the more you will know. Absolutely. <laughs> this is, Michael, I love the fact that you wrote in with this stuff because there are, we've talked about grappling and other things, and some of them are like, hey, did you know there's a rule for that in 5e? Wow, son of a bitch. Look at that. There's a rule. Like um, <clears throat> a while back, I reread one. Huh. There's basically a lend a hand rule. There's a helping rule. There's, wow, there's a this for combat. I forgot about that because it just wasn't used. So it's amazing, especially in D&D, when you have played multiple iterations of the game, 
my friends and I will catch ourselves like, oh, yeah, you can obviously reset your initiative. You can't do that in 5e. Oh, yeah, you can't. How come? Why can't we do that? I'll take 20. There's no take 20. Take 10? No, none of that. Huh. I just always assumed there was because you've car you're carrying all this knowledge around from all these previous editions, which you and I have chatted about before. But this is this is pretty cool. I like this. Yeah. Thanks, There Michael. have been a lot of a lot of decent callbacks. When I say decent, I'm saying people saying very nice things about fourth edition. And it, I, I've only played it once. Didn't have that good a time when I played it. I'd be more than willing to try it again. And I think that it's, uh, I think there's some really good, from everything I'm reading anyway, I'm hearing from other people, there's some really good nuggets out there in that mechanic-wise, like that just to do this type of thing, these skill challenges and so forth. So, huh, neat stuff. Thank you, Michael, yeah, very much. Thanks, everybody who wrote in. Thanks, Michael. Uh, I think that's it for Random Encounter. Let's get into main topic. All right, Brett. What are we talking about? We're talking about tally marks. This is yours, man. Mine. This is yours. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we talked about this after the last episode and said, hey, you know, we've got a couple different things to talk about. And we've mentioned this a bit in the past, and we brought up tension and resources the last couple episodes. I think that brought this back up. But essentially, when is it fun or is it ever fun? To actually track that shit. And when I say that shit, I'm talking about how many arrows you got left. You almost out of bullets? How much gasoline do you have? Do you have enough food? How's your water supply? Oh, you used, you used uh, three of your five grenades. You only got two left. Oh, you're almost out of blaster ammo. All of that noodly stuff. I know some people freaking hate, hate, hate that type of bookkeeping. They don't want to deal with it at all. They just want it to happen. There are a lot of different games out there. I can't remember which one offhand, but there's like, you know, you, you're doing fine until you like fail and the fail. I think uh, you you taught me this in Star Wars, right? You can, you have something horrible happen and then you're out of ammo. Yeah. Or, critical, you know, critical failures typically will. Yeah. Yeah. You can have that. That's, that's a, a thing you can leverage in a system oh, that has critical failures threats. or yes, yes. threats. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. But where you have threats or you've got, or we just talked about, right? You succeed to keep the pressure on. You do well, but you realize that's your last magazine. Son of a bitch. Well, that magazine jams. Really? Why? Eh, there's a dud. Son of a bitch. That matters because it's a resource. So when we started talking about it, we both agreed that there are some games where we kind of like keeping track of that stuff. So, Sean, what is it about tracking gear and whatever that you think would add to uh, kind of make it fun? Well, I think it presents... That's good. That's good radio. That's good radio, dead <laughs> that's air. That's good say, radio, Sean. That's I was going to say, good. never. Stuff, it never yeah. makes it fun, Brett. Um, I think that it can produce... So it's a different game. So let's just put that out there right away. If you are going to play a more, what I would term, resource-intensive game, it is a different game than many other people will want to play. Brett's already bet yeah, to that. allude. Yeah, but to go back to what you said before, the communication component is like, hey, I'm going to run this campaign or this adventure. It's very resource intensive. What do you mean resource intensive, Sean? I mean, you're going to track every goddamn arrow you use. Every time you use your oil flasks, I need to know or you need to track that, so on and so forth. 
but it does create a with that different game comes different challenges or different potential stories. Now, it, the story may be kind of eh, maybe not as rich in this approach, but if you are an archer and you have a quiver of arrows and there's 20 arrows in a quiver and you're you venture forth out into the wilderness, and you run into some beasties and you, hey, I'm going to get into combat. I shoot it. I shoot this. I shoot that. And you eventually get low on arrows. Maybe you try to recover them. So that's, you know, roll. Okay, I recovered 50% or whatever. That becomes a resource and, and running out of that creates a different challenge. So if it's food or water, well, now the cleric that can create food and water, that, act, that actually matters. That spell. <laughs> Yeah, it's the exploration game, right? Where Lewis and Clark, all the people that went and toured big, vast tracts of land trying to see what was on the other side, running into locals who don't necessarily want you there, um, running into large, great grizzly bears that want to eat you or in your, in your party. Food, water, all that stuff is crazy. Weather matters huge, right? A horrible winter storm hits, and it does damage to your equipment. You know, you smash your canoe into a rock and now you have to go on foot because you've lost that resource it can <clears throat> survival type gaming right exploration survival which isn't a very common commonly used thing especially in fantasy games where healing and some of those instant food creation things are that important but so one way to fix that is when you get into things like oh instant uh does that uh, require spell components well yeah you how how many mistletoe berries do you happen to have? <laughs> uh, none. <laughs> yeah, I guess what you're not using. You know, I, that's a tough one. Spell it, components it be, is a it, tough one. I know, but it can be very noodly. It's yeah. like where, how deep do you want to go with it? So there is that component. And is, I think you're right, Brad. It, so that's one question when you present this to a group is, and even you as a game master present, you know, thinking in your brain. How crazy do you want to get? Yeah, and what's and why are you doing it? Are you doing it because you want to at at heart you want to be a really bizarre accountant? Um, <laughs> is that what you want to do, or are you doing it because you're trying to in, evoke a feel? Right? Is the setting? Is it something around the fact that you you stranded in, you stranded in the desert? Right. Um. And then you encounter a pyramid, you encounter lost civilization, you, it gives you sometimes adventure, 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 two weeks out, you're lost in the desert, water's running On a horse with no name, Brett. On a horse with no name. horse without Which is funny, because after a while, after a while, you'd think you'd give the fucking thing a name. I mean, if not, hey, you at least. But anyway, your horse has no name, your, your partners don't know what's going on. That's terrible. But one thing that that can do is it can drive you and presents a need for you to adventure. So, yes, for instance, you're in that desert, you're out of food, you're almost out of water, your camels just died, your horse failed, you guys are dehydrated, you're at it, you're in 5e parlance, you get exhaustion, other game systems, you're stressed, you see the top of a pyramid and a, and a iron door swinging in the desert breeze. You go there and you start digging around, hoping and praying that some you know, nomadic people stash some food here. 
You don't find that, but you find a secret passage going down. It's cooler down there, and you hear the drip drip of water. <gasps> and you're looking at your character <clears throat> sheets, and you're going, huh, we're almost out of water. Might as well. What else we got to do? Let's check it out. I, um, well, shit, I can't remember. So going. Is it the Lost City? Is that, but there, there's some wonderful campaigns that can start that yeah. way. Because you don't have well, going stuff, to that. Right? That's a anyway. good point. So people would say, well, "Why the hell am I going to go down there?" Well, because you don't have water, and you think water is down there. That's a pretty, that's a pretty good damn motivator. <laughs> yeah, and because you started that way, you care about this thing. You go down there. I can't remember the name of the goddamn module. It's a basic D and D module. I should say basic. It's a D and D, not AD and D module by TSR. Is it? The Lost City? Shit. I can't remember. I don't know. Um, Raither runs it. Fuck. <clears throat> anyway, know. point is, I'll have to dig this up. But you, <coughs> excuse me, you lost in the desert. You go in there and you end up going into this bizarre underground city thing and and exploring and doing different things. But anyway, if, you, if you're doing that, jungle, same principle. You're running out of food, so on and so forth. Do you waste time hunting? Do you do this? If you do a prison break type of game, you escape the prison. You can, you don't have to run through. We've talked about this in the past. However, you get them out of the prison or you start them in media rays right outside the prison. They've just escaped. They're three days out. Here's a list of what you're able to steal so far. You have two days worth of rations per person, one bottle of water, two rusty daggers, and a blowgun with no darts. Fuck. <laughs> All right. Now you're in the de- Now you're in the jungle. What are you going to do? You know. The other thing that goes with this is, if that stuff sounds interesting, the other piece is that you need to make characters that have skills or backgrounds that can be useful or would be at least entertaining if they weren't useful, right? So you're staggering through the desert and you're playing a BX game where there's no skill list, right? No one has tracking, no one has wilderness lore or desert knowledge or whatever, but their character grew up with a desert nomadic tribe that's that person's backstory so they can lean on that they can help you figure out ways to find water do different things and somewhere staggering along with them is the uh the the wizardess and he or she they've never been they've never been out before and they're like oh my god all that they you know they do the best they can but they're woefully unskilled and unprepared to deal with this that's a trope right that can that can play wonderfully as long as the player isn't a complete douche about it you can have a really good time being incompetent during some of the some of the bits and pieces, lending a hand where you need to. Um, but that's when the quote unquote real adventure kicks in when you meet when you meet the the underground passage with the strange writing, and that that's when the wizard or <clears throat> the sorceress she gets to say she gets to do her thing. And, oh, I, I learned this in the college in wherever. Um, but if you're doing you know a sci-fi game, kind of uh, similar to what you're running with a mothership but take the take the horror aspect out of it out instead crash them on a planet land them on a planet where they didn't crash but they come back and Minox chewed through the power cables and the fucking ship won't fly anymore or something smashed into it and doesn't want to work they've got an engine failure they've got to figure something out they have a beacon but they've got time or you Brett can't, why are you spoiling my adventure commando- Brett <laughs> That commando team that got dumped in the middle of nowhere and they're supposed to go through and I mean Predator, right? The whole the whole movie Predator with with Schwarzenegger, yeah. the first one. Mm-hmm. They only have what they have with them. 
that's it. You know, they, they don't have a lot of stuff. Yeah, they got plenty of guns and bullets and whatnot, but at a certain point, they start running out of that shit, too. Anyway, Sean, in any, what, what are you thinking? Is this bringing... Does this, I mean, it sounds like these seem like fun, interesting ideas, but how much bookkeeping does, is this a joint bookkeeping thing then where the players and the game master have got to, I mean, obviously you have to be honest with each other. Like, hey, yeah, I used up two food, check it off, check it off. I mean, do you see the bookkeeping being equally balanced where I take half of it or you take half of it? Or how do you, how do you see that going down? Uh, oh, I think it has to reside with the player themselves, right? So if they're archer or grenadier and they're they're lofting grenades all day and shooting rounds or whatever, I it's a weird it's weird, man. Sometimes nowadays, because with that type of game, there's got to be a certain level of trust with the game master, and I think there's a lot of that trust that's been missing for whatever reason. I don't know if it has to do with my, I don't know always getting riled up about wanting to kill their player characters or put them in like shitty circumstances. I don't know what it is. Like, I don't, you know, maybe that's it. I don't, I don't know. So what what are you you saying? People are worried about, they don't want to use their gear because if they run out that we're talking about, I think there's this, I mean, there's some people even in games with like, uh, chits, right? Bennies, uh, Gumshoe with well, they won't spend a penny. Gumshoe skill points, right? Want to hold that stuff? Want to hold that stuff? Got to hold that stuff, you know. Or so there's a not when I talk about trust, you have to say, hey, just because you run out of arrows, yes, your next combat may be relatively difficult. But as a game master, I don't want to throw the kitchen sink at them when it's like, oh, you lost your sword. Oh, it's broken and you don't have any arrows. Oh, here comes every monster in the world. Do, 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 do. I mean, so you have to. Kind yes, of, yes, yes, yes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. Like even with Hobbs. I get what you're saying. Even with Hobbs and BX this past week, right? I was playing a, a thief and his name's Rascal, by the way, everybody. Thumbs, thumbs up. Shout out to Rascal. And. Go rascal. And so, of course, when you're a thief in BX, everything is a freaking trap. Everything is a freaking locked door. Everything there's hearing and detecting traps. So, to me, at some point, I'm kind of like, I got to let that go because I don't want to be like, oh, every door's a trap because why would it be trapped? And so, come up to a door. Is it locked? No. Okay. Uh, yes. Okay. I picked the lock, right? If it's going to be like I find a box and it's in a room that was trapped, well, then, yeah, I'm going to check it. Different problem. Different problem. But I also, yep. I, I just want to make sure that if I'm playing a thief and I don't want to, I don't think a thief is going to always check for traps every single thing it does and walks around with a 10 foot pole outside in the wilderness and everything's going to be just a pit trap. And then I get sprung up into the trees and. You know, the next door I open is a trap, and the next lock I pick, and the next box. Yeah, you've got to you've got to have the you've got to have the trust, like you're saying, because the idea as the game master is is I maybe <clears throat> if we go back to our tension concept, right? Limited resources equals tension, right? As right. we just said. Yes. Makes creative decisions. Fine, but you have to, as players and game master, have the pact, have the agreement that look, you can't because you can create a turtling hoarding thing where the five goblins attack and the archer refuses to shoot his bow because it could be an ogre. <sighs> five droids attack and the heavy blaster guy says, no, 
I'm not using my heavy blaster. I knife the droids. Why? Because there could be a bigger droid coming. Oh, for God's sakes, really? Right. You know, where people hoard, hold on to stuff forever and don't use it. What's interesting, and this is goes right up to the top here when we were when we were talking about this with do, 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 do. um shit losing it where we were talking about you know players I like this and, and all that good stuff we're talking about hey use your stuff interesting things are going to come up you're going to have the opportunity to get creative and figure things out just because well that was the last of our food okay yeah you maybe should start hunting or gathering or trying to find something out. Watching water and food makes a little more sense than, hey, look, I'm going to, quote-unquote, waste an arrow fighting the trolls that are attacking the camp. Not waiting because there's a rumor of a dragon in the swamp, too. Come on. <laughs> you know, it, you could die right now. You know, I'm not going to hold all my ammo forever just in case something bigger or badder comes along. Yeah, you've got you've to be willing to go for broke in a way. Use up those precious resources. And know that there'll be opportunities out there. Just because you use them up is not a death sentence. This isn't a video game that says, oh, you're, you've used up all your points, you die. Granted, if you start going without food, without water, you could incur stress, fatigue, um, that type of shit, that could kill you. That makes sense. No food, you starve to death. No water, you starve to death. Not good. No arrows? Come on. Yeah. Or you, you, you broke your sword, so you only have a dagger. That's okay. The game's not over. Accept the challenge. And I think this goes back to what you said at the beginning is you got to tell people, like, look, this is supposed to be a bit of a challenge. When you broke your hand axe, that's okay, you know, or the goblins came in, lit your tent on fire, now you have to sleep outside. That's okay. This is just part of the challenge. Trust me that I, as the game master, I'm not going to just fuck you over repeatedly just to, just to torture the shit out of you because ha, 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 I can. That's... Adversarial, we've talked about that before. Uh, yeah, no, I get it. I get you. Yeah, because if you don't, if you don't have an agreement, people are going to turtle up on you. They're just going to hoard and like, ah, I don't want to use my guns. Well, and then you they're know? never going to want to do anything, and then it becomes this weird dynamic, and they, yeah, you they turtle up. But it also, if if you want to bring the the kind of realistic, you're kind of bringing a simulationist approach to the game. You also, as a game master, kind of have to approach it that way where not every door is trapped not every box is trapped or whatever the case is and i know this is a little bit different than resources but it really goes into more of a of a of a trust factor in that regard so trust the side we've established that resource wise you know it's gonna it could drive a particular story but it's a different type of story it's not it's like you said, if you can use those to dry, like, okay, you're going to run out of water or you have a limited amount of water, that may determine the way the party, the the, the route that they take. So it's... Well, think about right. a hex crawl, right? The hex crawl, like, hey, this is a swamp. Yes. Okay. Hmm. <clears throat> it's either sinkhole, marsh. Are there any rivulets coming off of it? People start changing the way that they look at the hex crawl potentially because they're looking for where the river is, looking for high ground because they need something from the land itself. Or how or they, they need, see. How can know. they see anything if they're like down below, covered with woods, and you have maybe something you're tracking, or there's movement, or there's enemy movement? How do you see that? And you're in this particular area. Well, we'll just go this way. Like there's, 
it makes the players, I think, think about things in a different manner in a way that, that can help things. Now, you could throw the monsters in and the treasure and regular epic story behind all this stuff, but you know, you may you may encounter different people or you need to lean on different NPCs because, well, shit, man, my armor's really screwed up and the only person that could fix it is, you know, 10 miles down the road. Oh, and in order to get there, you have to travel this really shitty road that's been, you know, seized by bandits or whatever in the last... Maybe it's just rumors have it that the, the road is not safe anymore. And so what does that do for you just to get your armor fixed? I mean, it's kind of... Re- you could do or you could do uh, Oregon Trail. Oregon Trail, trail. No, yeah, man. Do yeah, dude, bring it back. <laughs> RPG. It. Donner Party. Donner Party. The role playing game. Wait, no, Jeez. don't do that one. Um, <laughs> but if you, so it, again, you take Lewis and Clark. You take yeah. you take um, Kit Kit Carson. Some of the 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 frontiers folks. Um, Daniel Boone, his family moving out in the middle of fucking nowhere, building a shelter. I mean, from a hex crawl perspective, I think about it like, hey, look. Our group is supposed to land on this planet, build an outpost, hold that outpost until reinforcements arrive, right? So we only have so many supplies, build set outpost, defense set outpost, do the thing. And um, then they get word that enforcements or supplies are behind, right? It's not happening quite yet, so on and so forth. I mean, Dances with Wolves, if anybody's ever seen that movie, you know. He shows up. There's nothing there. He's like, nope. Sorry, this is my post. He's <laughs> just like him and nothing. There's he's got nothing. No backup. No support. No nothing. So I think it doesn't. It doesn't have to be fantasy. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't even have to be like an adventure through the wilderness type of thing. It can be like, hey, you're here. This is the outpost. Defend the outpost. You know, search out the area around it. Do some scouting. Your hex crawl type of thing. Be it on a planet or however you do it. And then you've got to last for a while. You know, you could make a mistake. Somebody could come in, and what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to radio in every 10 days. Every 10 days, you say, we're good, we need supplies, or whatever. If you don't call in every 10 days, they wait another 10 days for you to call back. You fail two 10-day call-ins, then they send supplies. Well, if you're under siege, motherfucker, and you (laughs) suddenly go, do you really want to wait 20 days for reinforcements while you're getting your ass handed to you? I don't fucking think so, you know. It's a it's a resource game like we talked about with tension and pressure is like how does this work how does it um what does that do and you've got to use that stuff if all you're gonna do is if you're in mothership for example and you sit on all the oxygen you don't dock you don't go anywhere you sit on the spaceship and use the guns to shoot stuff like some asshole players do um then nothing happens right that's no fun you see so you've got to if you're gonna do this. I think everybody signs up, says they want to do it. They there's the trust is established. Everyone knows we're not here to fuck each other over. We're gonna keep track of certain things. You agree to the level of noodliness. Is it spell components? Is it do I have enough sewing kits to patch my BDUs when I rip the shit out of them crossing a barbed wire fence? How <clears throat> I've got how many spare buttons do you have in in case you you tear your shirt? You know, I, I, do you want to go that? Yeah, crazy? I don't know. I wouldn't get that. Um, I wouldn't get that crazy. No. If you've ever done backpack camping, I've done a little bit of it, and uh, I've been out far enough, even like hunting out, you know, you get five, six, ten miles away from something. There's a certain point where, like, you only have on you what you have on you. Like, huh. So, yeah, I've got a GPS and a compass, 
and a little bit of duct tape and a little bit of this and a little bit of that because you never know when you rip a hole in something again i don't want to fucking count that shit this isn't real life it's meant to simulate the fun part right of the adventure not not the i forgot to bring moleskin or duct tape for the blisters right. on my feet that's a little little ex- excess excessively but newly, there's perhaps. also something to be said about okay you're gonna go out into the wild and you you, well, you could do it but you could probably have a guide and having a guide is going to provide this and oh by the way when you get into a problem and the guide's life is at stake, that's different. Like now that guide has a little bit of value too. Not only is like, are they helping you survive and getting you to a place quicker? Now it's like, well, shit, if they die, we could be stranded out here. So now I need to protect this, this person. So that's another different dynamic that you can play. Right. You know, um, I had beast of burden, right? I had tomb of annihilation. These guys got a dinosaur to carry all their crap, <laughs> all the shit. Like it's plenty, plenty, no problem. It's gonna take it, no, no problem. Well, they go into this thing, and they've been in there for a while. And as that occurs, I have something happen outside. They're not privy to it because they're inside. And of course, I'm gonna screw with that beast of burden. Like I'm gonna either steal it, kill it. Or have it run away. Well, now all their crap's gone and all the stuff that they were carrying is gone. So what happens? So it's it's just That was a classic old uh, high school (sighs) that was a classic high school D and D thing. You you bought horses and ponies and drug it to the dungeon, you tied them up outside, he came back and they're fucking dead. Like, God damn it. (laughs) Sorry, Bill. Became annoying. Bill the horse. Became annoying. Yeah, poor Bill the Pony. He got eaten by wolves. So I mean, this time it, it's there is a there is a certain dynamic, and I I don't know if it's just I don't know if I would play a five E game like that. I don't know if I would just run a BX game. If it's if it's just that kind of game type, I would not. One game that I've always wanted to run for a long time is you guys are commissioned by the king, the duke, the duchess, the queen, whatever. You gather up your party, player characters. You hire some hirelings, and oh, by the way, the ship is in the bay, and you're going off to the west, and you're going to find out and claim the new land for the king or queen, duck, duke, duchess, whatever. And when you get there, you don't, none of the party knows what's there. They're just going to- pure exploration. Expo- like, yeah. Pure exploration. And, you know, there could be pyramids, there could be dungeons, there could be- different races and different creatures that they run into and what is their purpose well maybe it's to uh, establish a settlement and then report back and that's going to take a long time and how do they communicate back and forth and what happens when they start diminishing all this stuff and how many you know what kind of alliances do they make and who's the big bad evil person when they discover a small outpost and is it the big bad evil person? I don't know. Maybe they're. Well, how do the people deal with them? I don't know. Well, they're an asshole. We should rise up and kick their ass. Well, I don't know. They're bad news. And so, but the nice thing about that type of adventure is you make it a little bit resource intensive, and they don't know it's Greyhawk, it's Forgotten Realms, it's Eberron, and you just go to the next town and you go on to the, and this and that. And I've got these things and this resource. And it's like no, you don't know anything. You got like a map with an X on it and an ocean. And you're there, and that's it. Like, good luck, team. 
<laughs> Sorry. It's just, I don't I mean, know where I, that came from. Actually, oh, I feel so excited. It's like, <laughs> I got fired up now. <sighs> actually, that's one of the that's one of the things that the uh, the new Twilight 2000 game brought to my mind is I'm like this the idea of being stuck with minimal whatever yeah. somewhere behind enemy lines. So yeah, two clips. Run, um, yeah, two clips of ammo, frickin' canteen of water, yeah, one grenade and a frickin' first aid pouch. And you're 50 miles behind enemy lines. Good luck, troop. <laughs> exactly. I ran a, I ran a, a behind enemy lines game in uh what was it for 35 ages back. And uh, they, the folks basically woke up one day in the middle of uh, of a holy fuck, we're being invaded, and they, they fled. They fled the wrong way, and uh, they ended up behind <laughs> way behind the occupied territory. Battled their way out, of course, and they had to come back in to defeat the evil, and because it all became a necropolis and whatnot. But yeah, just something that you're behind lines, you don't have your regular supply channels. You don't know well... 16 days this way is water deep. All we have to do is push forward. We can get to Daggerford. All we got to do here, the Free City of Greyhawk. Um, Ferundi's over there. We could get to... Um, you Everything know, seems you so know. damn just, convenient. Just, yeah. And uh, making it... Even if you take something normal, you say, hey, I did this with a Greyhawk game ages back where it was my own version of Against the Giants, where the Giants had basically invaded the Grand Duchy of Jeff and started to lay waste. And the players ended up on the wrong end of the combat. Everything had happened, kind of pushed out. They're like, oh, fuck, the armies went around them. They were just in this little spit of a dungeon. They pop out of the dungeon went, what happened? <laughs> Giants everywhere, mass hysteria. Ah, crap, we're behind enemy lines. And they became very concerned because they had magic items that they couldn't get identified. They had you know, just selfishly stuff that they didn't know what to do with. And they're like, uh, does this, all this gold we've been carrying, does it even matter anymore? Um, well, let's go look at this town. Huh, that's on fire. How about this village? Burn to the ground, smash flat. Okay, neat. How about this? Fuck, still nothing. It became not only reclaim Jeff, because that was what they wanted to do, but also how the hell do we survive long enough to either build a resistance or do something? So, I like that. That's cool stuff, man. So, we've gone on and on. We haven't gone into, like, how you actually game, like, you know, okay, got quiver well, arrows. This is just conceptually. This is just conceptual. Is, does this concept sing? Does this concept seem to make sense? Right. I think for you and I, at least, it's got legs. There's a there's a decent campaign arc somewhere in this. All the parts of there, people, make something with it. It's out there. Now, I don't know if there are decent... Um, exploration slash survival campaigns out there, dude. Uh, adventure paths. What's a good one? Does somebody like whatnot? The anyway, end of the world fantasy what? flight games. End of the world series. I think it's called the the apocalypse series or whatever. Uh, okay. I have that one game. I think I don't think I. God, I hope I didn't get rid of it. Um, but that's the one where you play your you play oh, yourself. You told me about yeah, that. You play yourself. You start out like, all right, you're in your basement recording a podcast, and a zombie breaks into your house or whatever, and literally, what do you what, have? Yeah, you? yeah, and you you actually create yourself as a character, and the other players weigh in on the accuracy of that. So the more accurate you are, the more like you'll get a benefit for it, right? But if you're kind of skewed or you're kind of off, like, oh, I feel I'm like athletic, but you're really not or you are athletic but you don't think you are like you know brett does martial arts so you may say oh i'm not very athletic we go wait a minute you got some math you know martial arts skills 
And when he's building his character, he gets some chits for that. But anyways, the my point is that you like, okay, Brett, what's in your house? Brett goes, well, I got a freaking gun rack. I go over there and get my, get my 12 gauge. Blah, blah, blah. Well, what about you, Sean? Um, I got a baseball bat I grab, somewhere. I, I grab. I grab the dog. I grab the dog. Yeah. I grab the dog. The small dog. I throw yeah. it at the zombie. I got cats. <laughs> I got cats. But, I have cats to throw at zombies. So it all is day. supposed to be like that, and that's how it starts. And then you go in the real world, and they're like, "Okay, you, you th- like if I were to run this, and I know Madison well enough, I know where things are. Like, oh, I'm gonna go down to the heavy equipment dealer, and I'm gonna steal a freaking bulldozer, man." And I'm just going to drive around with that thing and just ram into anything I want. Like, all right, dude, you know, how are you going to get there? Um, but that's a good one. I like that. Yeah. I don't know if there's any other ones, but anyway. that one came to mind. Well, there's, there's got to be good campaigns out there. People have either done this, they've run it themselves. Um, we threw out a couple different systems, um, game ideas and so forth. And I know there's lots of different mechanics and whatnot. If anybody, any of our listeners um, have done or know of a good game that does this really well, or they've run it themselves, if you've had a lot of fun with it, throw it at us, man. I'd love to love to hear what you guys have done and um, what's out there, what's what's possible. So cool stuff, man. If we have enough interest in this show, we might break this down into more of a how-to kind of as we did with the, uh, or tried to do anyway with the pressure piece. Yeah. Two-parter. So we'll yeah. see where this goes. Uh, cool man. Yeah. All right. Die Enough roll, of that. Let's die roll. 2D4 miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery want to bring to you a few of them. Uh, first one DCC uh, Days Online. Event registration now open. This event is an online mini con uh, June 11th to the 14th. So that's all going to be Goodman games. So Mutant Crawl Classics and Dungeon Crawl Classics. If you're a fan, you probably already know about this. Uh, second one, Fantastic Layers by Sly Flourish, Scott Fitzgerald Gray, and James Kling in Tricasso. Uh, Kickstarter runs until July 1st, 2020. Right now, uh, it's funded at 9K at a 15K goal. If you want to know more, Jared Rasher got a sneak peek on this. Uh, he's a patron of the show, and he's in my Mothership game, and he's a Gnome Stew dude. And so he put a first look uh, article up on Gnome Stew. We'll have a link to that. So if you want to know more about the Kickstarter before you kick it in. And third one, Lord of the Rings movie cast reunion on YouTube. You seen this, Brett? I saw that. No, I, I saw it. I as so far as like, oh, that's there. I should go look it's at that. It's long. It's like a like I want to say like an hour or two hours. So it's supposed to be for charity. So what's his name? I can't remember the star. He did the one of the voices in Frozen, and I think he's done directing and producing and acting but he's a nerdy guy and i can't remember his name but he has a youtube channel and so these reunions are supposed to be charity driven and then they go to uh food bank so he's done the goonies and then most recently did lord of the rings i'll just say this if if you've thought of the actor or actress in the series they may be on this reunion I saw it where they like, oh, it looks like this, this, and this. They're like, okay, Viggo Mortensen shows up. This person shows up. Oh, my God, Sean Bean is there. It's like they come out of the woodwork. Yes. And they actually cool. talk about the movie. So it's not like, okay, what's this all about? So the the guy's channel, God, I wish I knew his name, actually says, hey, tell us about this scene or read read this, would you? 
And then they do a cut scene to like behind the scenes of the making of the movie. Just very briefly, Peter Jackson's on there and he explains it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's actually pretty good. I would watch it if you got some spare time for sure. And yeah, it'll be very, I mean, it's been a long time since those things came out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Long, long time. 2001 dude. or some shit. I don't even remember. It's been a while. Yeah, I was still with my still with my first wife at that time. It's <laughs> a long time ago. It's a long time back. Uh, forever ago. This uh, second to last one, twenty four hour con. This is by Hobbs. So he posted this in our Discord channel, a Google Doc. Him and some other folks that we know are running this. It's like June sixth to the seventh. That's this upcoming weekend. I don't know if I'll get this out in time for people to hear about it. But nonetheless, if you hear about it and are interested in running a game, they're running at 24 hours, noon to noon, I think. Um, any game you want. So, yeah, sign up there. And then the last one I will just put in the show notes that I referenced, which is the Fantasy Flight Games End of the World um, series. They've got, like, three. I have the Red Book. I can't remember. One's, like, a zombie. One's a space invasion. And then there's something else, like a horror, I think, one. But uh, if you're interested, to take a look at that. That's all we have for Die Roll and this show. Brett, what are we talking about next week? I don't know. I'm not home yet. <laughs> Brett is in the Northwoods. He hasn't given it much thought. He's been chopping wood and stuff. I, I, I did use a, I did uh, use my brand new Husqvarna chainsaw and did not lose any digits or limbs, That's so I great. feel good. Brett, hey. I'm in one, I'm in one piece. Safety first, yeah. buddy. As Brett sits in the dark. Yeah. Got electricity <laughs> up there or really... what? I do, but holy crap! I, I turn the light off because like, oh, it's kind of bright in here, and it's slowly. I forgot. Yeah, there's no street lights of any kind up here. Like, That's right. It gets really fucking dark really fast. All right. Really in the dark. Well, I think that's it. That's all we have. Find out what we're gonna do, and uh, next week we'll post it up on the forums. If you have something to chime in about, uh, by all means, let us know. Otherwise, uh, thanks for everybody tuning in on Twitch. We record every this podcast every Monday night, 8 p.m. Central Time. This Thursday, I will be running Mothership on Twitch Live. I think it's session four of Dead Planet. We start uh, at 8 p.m. Central Time and run to about 10.30 um, every other Thursday. And so we'll have that in the schedule in Twitch if you want to check that out. Otherwise, I think that's all I have. Um, and uh, just for, for patrons, I'm going to get another game going with um, work schedules and just the shift with between the virus stuff. And then I need to get my ass up here, take care of property stuff for my folks. Anyway, schedules calming down. I'll get something back on the on the books as soon as possible. So I apologize. I'm a little late, but it's All coming. Right. Well, otherwise, I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night. Good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Graham Miner, Corey Wynn, Brian Kurtz, Ray Otis, Stefan Dragonspawn, Stefan Dragonspawn, Larry Howe, Mark Tasaka, Pure Mongrel, Chris Steele, Ron Bishop, Thomas Hook, Wayne Humphrey, Craig, Brandon Barnes, Laramie Wall, Dan LaValley, Jason Hobbs, Sky, Old School DM, Perry Besor, Jim Fitzpatrick, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Eileen Barnes, Robert Nemeth, Niall Diamond, Howard Bishop, Eric Salzweedle, The Closet Gamer, Jeff Goad, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Old Scouser Roleplaying, Andy Hall, David David F. Baylog, 
Harrigan, Mosa Bashinsky, Brian Rumble, Henry Newcomb, Eric Telvola, Roger Braslett, Mark Soam, Andy Olson, Eric Avia, Ron Blessing, Jeff Seifert, Mike Hess Jr., Angus, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Rory Weston, Curtis Hinson, Jim Ingram, Daniel Garrett, Eric Frankhouse Presents, Hus Carl, or is it Hus Carl, Jason Weeb, Jason Weeb, One Dollar Adventure Frameworks, Jared Rasher, Phil McClory, George Sedgwick, Michael Dinos, Matt Cyberlick, Chad Gleyman, Finolf, Josh Wallace, Adam Gr oh Adam, how do you say your how do you say your last name, buddy? Is it Grotjohn? Grotjohn? Yeah, Adam. Corey Welch, Mirko Froilich, Rich Wishon, Joe Swick, Curtis Takahashi, and Aaron Ralia. Hey, liked what you heard? Maybe? Well, tell somebody. Have them go over to GamingMBS.com forward slash subscribe and have them subscribe. Give us a listen. Thanks, BSers. This, this has, has been, been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio, Studio production. production.